Hi, you're listening to Focus on the Bible. Thanks for joining us. These are crazy days that we're living in. Not too long ago, in an interview, a very popular American church leader was asked a question. He was asked that if he could be placed in charge of the American churches, what would he do to make them better? His answer might shock you. This American church leader answered, what we really need our churches to do is take the spotlight off of the Bible. What an absurd thing to say. Let's talk about this. Friend, I hope that you don't agree with that American church leader, though he's very famous, because the idea of taking the spotlight off of the Bible in our churches would leave our churches pretty bare. What would we talk about if we took the Bible out of the spotlight? 2 Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 15 says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. If we take the spotlight off, off the Bible, what would we rest the spotlight upon? Someone is planning to do a lot of talking if we take the Bible out of the spotlight that doesn't include what the Bible teaches us. So I want to ask you a question today as we focus on the Bible. Have you ever explored the Bible? Do you know where it came from? Do you know how the Bible was put together? Why should it be in the spotlight? Are you confident that you hold the Bible in respect and high esteem? I do. Let's talk about this. How was the Bible put together? Well, how long do you think that it took the Bible to be written? From the time the first writer wrote the first word of Scripture until the end of the revelation was sealed, how many years went by? Over 1,500. Almost 1,600 years it took for the writings of Scripture to go down on paper. Those who were doing those writings were over 40 people, over 40 authors who combined their efforts to write over that 1,600-year time span to write the pages of the Bible. Those authors then were stretched out over that 1,600-year time span so that you can understand, obviously many of those authors didn't even know one another. They were spaced out over that long span of time so that many of them wouldn't even have been alive at the same time. That's not the only thing that was different about those 40 writers of Scripture. They lived on three different continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe. How could they even compare notes? How could they have even known one another or what one another was thinking? Those authors wrote in two major different languages. Almost all of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. That's because the Hebrews were the people of God, the ones that he revealed himself into and called them to be the family of people who shared the truth with all the other families of the earth. So the whole Old Testament basically is written in Hebrew, although there are minor portions in a couple of other languages But by the time we make it to Jesus Christ coming to earth, 
things that happened that changed the world. That's the conquest of the Greeks. The Greeks, under these great military leaders like Alexander the Great, had come swooping down and took over whole nations of people, and the language of the day became Koine Greek. It was the trade language of the world when the New Testament was written. So those writers wrote in a completely different language than the writers of the Old Testament. Not only that, but the ages varied among those who wrote the Bible. Some were not much more than kids, young men, early in life. And then there were some who were very old. Not only their ages, but their educations varied too. Moses, Joseph, and Daniel, they lived in the courts of kings. Paul studied under a great man named Gamaliel. That would get you instant respect in the old world. But on the other hand, there were people like James, Peter, and John who were called right off their father's fishing boats. Simple fishermen who never knew a day of college. But they all were used by God as he gave us the writers of his word. Those men with different educational levels also had different careers. Among those writers of the Bible, there were simple shepherds. There were military officers, farmers, government leaders. There were plenty of fishermen. There was a doctor, Luke, a servant. There was a king. And there was a tax collector among them. All kinds of different men in different careers with different educational backgrounds, living in different cultures on three different continents, speaking two different languages. And so you would think if those people ever combined their efforts to write a book, what a mess, what a bloody mess, what a laughing matter that would be, what a joke that book would become. And yet, it's just not true. Actually, the Bible is not one book. It's 66 books all put together. But when you take the 66 books of the inspired Word of God, what you find is that you're holding a book of collected books that fits together like a fine furniture joint. And its pages are not a mess. Its pages all fit together so neatly around one central story the story of a rescue effort by God through sending His own Son into the world. What a tremendous unity we find in the pages of the Bible. It's a shocking idea. But now, friend, could it be that in the culture that you live in, even when some preachers disrespect the Word of God, have you become a part of the culture's arguments against the Word of God? We need to take a good long look at the Bible and make sure, in fact, it is the Word of God. And if it is, friend, that changes everything. Why do we need the Bible? Well, I'll give you two reasons. There are many of them, but time flees. The two major reasons that we need the Bible today is, number one, the Bible defines what the gospel is. That is, for all of us people who need that God that the Bible reveals to us, we are sinners, fallen short of God. We can't get to God. We're not good enough for God. We're not like Him. But that rescue effort made by God to deliver us through Jesus Christ is revealed where? In the pages of the Bible. 
So if we had the Bible taken away from us, how does our gospel message get communicated? How on earth, friend, could we ever tell the gospel to an unsaved person if we took the spotlight off of the Bible? The Bible defines for us what the gospel message is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul boiled it all down into just a couple of Bible verses. Here's how the Bible defines that important gospel message apart from which no one will ever be saved into eternal life. Here's what he said, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Scriptures define for us the gospel message. Any of us who are saved and know that we have eternal life today put the spotlight on what the Bible says about God's rescue story. That's how we knew. Apart from the Bible, how would we find out the gospel? Would we divine it in a dream? Would we look for it written out in the stars? The Bible, thankfully, is the word of God to all unsaved people to let them know of God's great rescue story, how Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day as a living Savior, completely able to save anyone who will put their faith into him. The second reason that we have the Bible is for the training of saved people. This is our educational school to teach us about life and spiritual growth. In 2 Timothy and chapter 3, Paul the Apostle wrote for saved people this, verse 16 and 17, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so if a person believes in Jesus Christ then and they are born again, they're only mere babies. They need training. They need to be taught. They need a book. And thank God the Lord gave one. For the growth and the spiritual maturity of every child of God, we've been given the Bible. Now tell me, if we take the spotlight off of that Bible, what will we teach the believers in Jesus? What can we give them apart from Scripture that would be profitable that they could understand doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness? How on earth could they ever grow to maturity without first receiving that good milk from the Word of God? And how could they grow to mature age? How could they ever become themselves teachers for the Lord unless they had some good, meaty scriptures to chew on. Thank God for men who bring it for us on Sunday. Amen? And on great radio stations like this one and podcasts, those men who have decided, my ministry won't be about taking away the Bible from the spotlight, but to squarely place the Bible under the bright lights of the revelation of God in His Word. How about you, friend? Do you accept the truth and the authority of the Bible? 
Do you stand on the Bible as God's revelation about who He is? About how this whole universe began? Do you stand on the Bible to show you the truth about yourself? That you were created by an awesome God. That creation was full of the love of God. And he was so excited, he called you fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you receive the Bible's truth about who you are as a sinner? Though you were fearfully and wonderfully made by an awesome creator, you disobeyed him. We all did. And we've come into separation from God. Thank God he sent two great things for us. He sent his only son to die on the cross to pay our sins and rise again and throw the gate of heaven wide open that we could believe and enter in. And thank God he gave us the Bible to tell us that story. And he gave us the scriptures so that we could grow as children of God to full maturity. That there would be no reason to languish. There would be no reason to not know or to live in spiritual ignorance but that we could continue to grow until the end of life. And as we grow, we continually could tell other people what we've learned in the pages of the Scripture. Friend, if you right now are coming to understand the Bible is God's Word, or maybe you've accepted the Bible as God's Word, but just now you're understanding that great story, the rescue plan of God coming into the world to save sinners like you, and me, maybe this moment you would rest your faith where it belongs, in Jesus Christ. Now, false religions would tell you a different message than what the Bible clearly, plainly teaches, but there's only one Savior ever offered for anyone in the world, and that Savior scored in every way. He paid a propitiation payment. It satisfied God forever over the price of our sin. It was the death penalty. Please don't make the mistake of those who turn aside the plain teaching of the Bible and only give us religious philosophies that tell us that somehow by playing religious games we can earn our way to God or that somehow we could do enough good works to pay our own way. Friend, the Bible says not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. And that mercy is found in Jesus Christ if you trust Him. It'll be eternal life for you the very moment you believe. This episode is a production of Focus Evangelistic Ministries Incorporated. You can write to us at Focus Ministries, P.O. Box 498, Danielsville, Georgia, 30633. For more information about our ministry, you can visit our website, freddycoyle.org. That's F-R-E-D-D-I-E-C-O-I-L-E.org. We'll see you again for next week's episode of Focus on the Bible.